2021 and 22, more than 30 states actually returned money to its residents because they had collected too much in the form of rebates, expanded deductions, and even checks. Um, I, I find that hard to believe because we are, I'm from the state, and we will talk about this particular state in more or less a case study in the way that government taxes wealth so you can think about it, be, be alert to it, and, and then a discussion later on with Q&A about like really what that means in the bottom line, how it affects you and your wealth. Um, and so my state that I am referring to for today's topic is Washington State. Now, don't, if you're not from Washington, don't turn off the um, change the channel on the podcast because the, these taxes really are being um, used by all the states and the federal government. One is capital gains tax, and when a state tries to roll out a new tax, they're basically taking from the U.S. tax code and modifying it in some way. Now, we've all heard of an estate tax. The federal government has has an estate tax. The problem is a lot of people believe that, oh, correctly, that the amount that can pass tax-free under federal law is so high they don't have a problem. That particular uh, uh, law gets so much attention that many people miss the fact that states have a separate legal system and 12 states have their own estate tax. So if you live in Connecticut... District of Columbia, not a state, but still, Hawaii, Illinois, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, Minnesota, New York, Oregon, Rhode Island, Vermont, and Washington. Now, Washington uh, has a constitutional provision that makes it unconstitutional to tax income. And so to raise revenue, the government's going to get it out of you one way or another. You know, you might complain about this state versus that state, but I've looked at it and Alaska might be, and Wyoming might be a little like an exception, but for the most part, Texas is, is collecting the same amount of tax from its citizens as Washington and Florida, right? Now, an estate tax is a transfer tax. We'll talk about that in today's episode, but we'll also talk about capital gains tax and this new form of tax that this particular state's trying, and we're not really going to try to answer why the state is trying to raise this money in the way that they're doing, but alert you to the fact that we're in a tax-obsessed environment right now. Seven states rolled out a tax on the same day in January to propose what really is a wealth tax, a tax on wealth. Washington was one of them, and of course, California was another. I forget the other five. And... um, for us, when we think about unreimbursed medical expenses, that, that is no different than thinking about unnecessary taxation. They, they drain wealth during our lifetime and after, and asset protection is about understanding how the tax works so we can leverage the deductions and the exemptions. In the estate tax environment, what you will learn today is if you are married, 10 of the 12 states do not automatically give or don't give it all, actually, uh, by default, a separate exemption for both spouses. And, and so, as compared to a single person, the estate tax exemption is the same, which is not, I think, ethical or moral, because there's two people in uh, um, a marriage. Federal law has moved in that direction and now grants 
a, two exemptions, one for each spouse. I mean, what's so radical about that concept? But tax planning is lawful and it is ethical. And there's one thing that you can do to, if you're married to double your tax exemption, for example, so that you get what's coming to you, <laughs> basically. And to me, it's, a, it's shocking and amazing how um, people will fight against the notion that um, there's a way to use a credit shelter trust, which has been established in the law for a long time to protect wealth. Um, there's a, fav- um, a quote by um, Cohn from the Trump administration. So this is a high uh, government official. He made the comment, only morons pay estate tax. <laughs> so if the super rich people, the elite, have figured out that there's opportunities in the law, let's leverage them. Why aren't uh, folks who need the money in their family's pocket more? Why, why is that not important? We're going to break that down. We're going to show you how these taxes work. When I talk about Washington, just keep in mind, your state may have a similar issue. We're talking about wealth tax in three different forms. So you can get the vocabulary down and understand the solution. Don't forget that Boom X Show Lives of Money podcast is more than just a podcast. It is also a membership site and an online academy. I admit it's been a work in progress, but man, that site's looking great, putting a lot of content. In fact, if you look in the show notes, you will find an article that um, is about the tax that we're going to talk about today. Um, The second thing is we do more than just talk about the law. Uh, We have a, a group called Family Leaders, and we get together once a week. I really love it. I'm like everybody else in that group becoming kind of addicted to it. I'm proud of that because the content's great and the conversation's great. And we talk about things tangential to retirement, but not necessarily in the wheelhouse of the law. For example, we have um, a project in which we are tracking stocks. We came up with a model portfolio for fun. There's no money involved at all. We're just um, seeing if we can beat the S&P 500. We started at the end of last year and is an ongoing project. And so to me, if you can beat the S&P 500, then you're doing better than 90% of money managers out there who fall short, mostly because of fees that they have to charge. But nevertheless, uh, I believe that you can indeed invest on your own with a robo-advisor if you need to. That's one way to learn. Uh, conversations with other people and the conversations that we have uh, orbit around asset protection and state transfer law, but the family leaders who come just keep coming back because they realize it's not just learning the rule. It's not just having the legal documents. Implementation is everything. Now, today's conversation was a little bit uh, substantive and this episode is um, taken from the conversation about tax. We actually talked about tax and physician-assisted suicide, (laughs) which are similar. (laughs) The government's going to get you one way or the other, but uh, sorry to be bleak about that. And anyway, so um, let's get into the subject matter today. I just wanted to let you know that if you look at the show notes, then you can uh, uh, click on the link and read the article I just finished a big masterclass, an hour-long masterclass on this topic. And in the masterclass, 
um, I explain what an estate tax is and, uh, you know, this problem of a, a spouse uh, or um, couples, spit it out, Daryl, a couple not getting two exemptions being solved with a credit shelter trust. I explain it in that masterclass and explain two other solutions to eliminate or reduce estate tax. If you live in one of those states and you know you're a taxable state or you suspect that you are, you should watch it. it it's um, it's not super technical. It's a little heavy lifting. Um, however, it's a nice summary. It's an hour long and it's free. You can just watch watch the uh, content. And, and even the video presentation is free. And even through October 31st, the lesson with all the handouts is free. So you can kind of click on the links and get that to help you learn more about uh, estate tax. Yay! Another thing to think about, too, is the companion course to the Boom X show, uh, especially moving forward, you will find more content. In particular, I'm going to start just posting the full office hours, I think, in that lesson. So you can kind of go into um, Boom X, get a free membership, and you'll be automatically enrolled in that course. And each lesson is it's, a course is just a wrapper or a folder for content. And what we are talking about and teaching every day on the podcast, there are lawyers that don't know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, we try to make it fun. We try to make it interesting for everybody so they can learn. And what I found is discussions is really what helps. But you also have to have the foundation. So, you know, watch, watch a free master class. Um, take a free course. And see if you like it. See what you learn. Because one thing for sure, there are tax exemptions in the law. There are deductions. Candidly, you'd be a fool not to know what they are and take advantage of them. They're there. They're gifts from the government. And that's not very common, especially in Washington. <laughs> so let's jump into it. Um, and so it's we, we kick off with Bob coming in a little bit late to office hours. And the conversation kicks off from there. Not good. Good. You got a little smile on your face. That's not <laughs> your normal oh, custom. Feeling I good? Had a, had a really, it was just a fabulous day of skiing on Wednesday. I could tell. It was, it was uh, like 13 inches new snow. Oh. Was it, you know. was it sunny out? Uh, well, it cleared off. You know, we did, it did actually see Mount Rainier. <laughs> yeah. Where, where did you ski? At Crystal Mountain. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was really cool. This is the guy that picked a um, a ski resort as his stock pick for our model portfolio. Yeah, yeah but then I started looking at the fundamentals, and I, I said, yeah, no way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to look at the fundamentals before you pick the stock, Bob. Yeah, well, I didn't put any money in it, so. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. It's hypothetical. Susan's the one that's driving down our power curve, man. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we just start over? <laughs> yeah, maybe we should. I think so. You know what the Wall Street Journal uh, Wall Street Journal does um, is Wall Street Journal asks people at the beginning of the year what their expectations are for the market. Then at the end of the year, they get back to them and show them what happened, and then they report on it in an article. Mm. And everybody every year basically is over optimistic, <laughs> like whatever whatever. 
Uh, and interestingly, um, they have no recollection of ever believing otherwise. So at the end of their year, they can't believe. Like, what? In other words, they think, "What kind of fool would have thought that twelve months ago?" <laughs> you know. I've written two things about it. One is an email to my list where I'm kind of ranting a little bit, and then in the article, I'm trying to be more objective. I'm not using words like those damn politicians. I'm not using those sorts of words. I'm talking about the tax proposal. Um, and so, I mean, like asset protection is <clears throat> meant to legally and ethically guard against known threats to, to wealth. And that includes unnecessary taxation. And it includes high unreimbursed medical costs um, in, in an environment of those costs being um, inflated by number one, demand, number two, uh, high profit profit for medical, and then um, the government's Medicaid program, which is causing private patients go, rates to go up at, at the same time that the people who those prices are going are increasing, that demographic are the ones that paid more in the income tax relative to um, people you know, like it's a needs-based program funded by taxpayer dollars. So Steve, you've paid more in income tax to finance that program than the average American. And you're going to pay for it again with inflated prices at the old folks home. And Congress is not stupid. That's why there's these statutory exceptions and safeguards. Like that's the one thing is Congress put them there for a reason. Like there's a 42 USC trust that protects the inheritance of a surviving spouse because they don't want the spouse to go broke. It's that simple. Anyway, um, now it doesn't matter if it's like, I think everyone sees now because how we've gone over it and over it and over it, but a credit shelter trust protects money from tax the spousal protection trust from Medicaid, but it's the same thing. Like, and in, in, in we've actually overlaid um, SBT provisions on the credit shelter trust. So if you're a taxable estate, we can do both. That's my point. Now that's a death tax. So estate tax um, it occurs at the second death. So it doesn't affect you really that much because you're dead, <laughs> right? But um, the tax is high and you only have one exemption. Like Washington doesn't have portability. And um, so that, <laughs> that means absent a credit shelter trust, a couple only gets one exemption. With a credit shelter trust, you get two. Like it's that simple. Um, I'm frustrated because lately I've had kind of like a hard time. Um, like I've had a really hard time communicating the value proposition. You know, like every day I'm arguing with somebody about a living trust, you know, because that's important because Susie Orman says that's important. I'm talking about doubling an exemption, you know, like if I said to you, uh, you've got a, um, a tax credit of 250K, but you could double that. You could have a tax credit for 500K. You would think no one would argue with that, but they do. Um, now, capital gains tax is a problem because if you think about um, okay, so Washington State Constitution prohibits 
Washington government from an income tax. That's why there's no income tax here. Oregon, those those guys, fair game. But for some reason, the folks up north said no income tax. Now, so Oregon, um, Mike, in case you don't know, so Jim's from Oregon. So I'm, this is a nod to Oregon. I'm trying to trying to make it relevant to him. But um, federal law, we pay a capital gains tax if it's based on whether it was short term. We held the assets on a short term or long term basis. But the tax is also based on our income bracket. Like the higher income bracket, the more you pay in capital gains tax. Capital gains is in the income tax portion of the tax code. Capital gains is reported on a 1040 income tax return. Like nobody disagrees that capital gains is an income tax. So Washington enacts a capital gains tax, which is an income tax, when the state constitution prohibits an income tax. Now, they're trying to um, characterize it as an excise tax. Now, I haven't taken the time to, I mean, B&O is an excise tax, business and occupation tax. Um, why that's not a corporate income tax, I don't know, <laughs> but they're calling it an excise tax. Um, so I there's a good chance that the state uh, Supreme Court could um, strike down the capital gains tax as unconstitutional. That is why there's this new 1% proposal, which just kind of demonstrates that Washington wants to tax wealth. Like it it knows the capital gains tax is probably in, in danger. And so now they're a new tax proposal at the same time. I mean, like they're not even waiting for the Supreme Court to move. They're going to do this thing. Um, I didn't read the entire tax bills, but it, it um, what I know about it is the 1% tax is on investments. So it's on... Remember, we talked about the three kinds of property. There's a real property, and then there's personal property. Personal property is tangible or intangible. Intangible are all your digital financial assets, right? Um, it excludes retirement accounts. So it's, a, it's not a 1% tax on that, thank God. Um, that would be a problem. <laughs> there's no way they could make that work. But they're talking about worldwide holdings. So if you live in Washington State, and you have a stock portfolio that is um, at Schwab in New York, where the custodian is located, then <clears throat> it's fair game. And so in order to avoid this tax, you would have to change the ownership of it so that a non-Washingtonian owned it. Um, now, <clears throat> that does not mean that the bill will pass because um, you can bet the Republicans are you know, 100% behind it or against it rather. Um, there's probably a lot of guys like me. I consider myself to be some, I was trying to explain to Susan my politics. I don't know why, but it's like you, you throw out the politics part of it. My point was it's hard to be left or right in a modern world where there's so many bizarre issues that are coming at us so quickly. And so you might be uh, left of center on healthcare and a little right of center on fiscal responsibility. That kind of describes me. Um, I miss the Reagan days in which they were just nerds back then. They were accountants. They wanted financial fiscal responsibility for government. You know, I mean, it's hard to argue with that. Like traditional conservatism kind of wins every time because it, what tr traditional says is just do the right thing and be tidy. <laughs> you know, don't overspend. It's not that hard. 
Um, and so this 1% tax seems to me to be um, like you should read the introduction. It's a moral lecture about wealth inequality. It is definitely a tax um, to, to level the playing field. And, you know, there's three. So two of you have been willing to share um, information about, you know, yourselves. And so there are taxable estates listening to, to my voice right now. And, you know, you're going, you will be affected by this um, in a way that is a 1% haircut on return. Like Steve and I have been bitching, grabbing and moaning about financial advisors that charge 1%. Well, now it's 1% to the financial advisor and 1% to the state. I mean, you know, that's, that's, you know, insane. Um, if it's a mutual fund, it's taxed annually on a 1099. So now you're paying federal erosion every year, and then you're paying um, a 1% erosion every year. It's not 1% on the gain, by the way. I want to be clear. That's the difference. It's 1% on the entire amount. That's how it gets screwy. I mean, that's how you get screwed. And um, but so anyway, <clears throat> let's open it up for discussion. I have nothing really more to say about the tax. We can discuss it. We cannot discuss it um, and forwards. I know quite a bit about capital gains tax. I knew nothing about this proposal. Daryl, what are they considering a capital gain in that aspect of it? Well, it, it tax the whole amount. Well, capital gains is triggered. Um, so it's not a it's not a capital gains tax. Like they're not calling it a capital gains tax. Um, An investment tax, then? Well, the right's calling it a, a wealth tax, which really is kind of is. But um, the only analogy would be a property tax. Like you own property. <laughs> It's really no different than your home. You own property. We want tax. <laughs> you own a stock portfolio. We want tax. But your IRAs and all that is excluded, correct? Yes. Yeah. And real estate too. There might be, uh, I didn't crack into the code. Like all of you are affected because you're high net worth. But, um, you know, there's probably investment accounts above 250, 250K. That's my cat. Would be. Oh, is this, does this include your savings account at, at Boeing uh, Credit Union? I mean, yeah. is this like, a, like all that? I'll get back to you. I'll circle back on. I'll I'll do another six hours to figure out <laughs> like crack it. I don't want to spend too much time on it in case it's voted yeah. down. You know, um, which is likely, candidly. But the thing is, as I point out in the article, um, this is at a time period in which. 37 states, like all the states have revenue surplus. I don't know what the hell happened in COVID. Um, I completely misunderstood, did not predict this. Um, the government pumped so much fake money into the economy during COVID that everybody was just rolling in money. Like the reason there's so much inflation is because all these people had cash and they were just going out and buying shit, <laughs> you know? Um, it happened to coincide with some weird problem with the supply chain, which I, they say would have happened anyway, but uh, I don't know. Um, but so 37, all the states had re uh, revenue, Washington state's revenue growth during this time period, during the time period that it enacted the capital gains tax, it had a revenue gain that was higher than the average state revenue gains in the country and now has a record high revenue surplus. Like the government has never had so much money. It's $15 billion. That's how much money this government has. 
That's quite and, a rainy day. Right. So 37 states return money to the taxpayer, either in tax breaks, cuts, or some sent a check in the mail, right? And Washington enacted the capital gains tax, and seven states on the same day rolled out a wealth tax that are similar to Washington's on the same day. Now, you know, I'm not a big QAnon guy, but you can tell that the Democrats got on the phone with each other and said, hey, let, how can we stick it to the taxpayers? Let's, what are you guys doing? <laughs> One state, guess what state, like if, if you know anything, you don't have to know anything about politics or t tax, but just what other state would you imagine would be one of the seven? California. <laughs> In unison, <laughs> they got that one right. <laughs> um, so California is, I, I, I should move there. Um, so um, California also in the last few years changed the Medicaid rule, there's no threshold. Like you don't have to spend down for a state-sponsored Medicaid program in California. You could be a bazillionaire and you could get Medicaid in California. Yeah. Well, because the taxes have to go up to finance that, right? And so um, that state is so liberal that it's basically free nursing homes. <laughs> It's like the Switzerland of like when when people complain about socialism for some reason. Oh, Switzer, Switzerland or Sweden is one of the ones that starts with an S in Europe. That's like to them the epitome of free free medical care. <laughs> um. So, so Daryl, if I if I get to the point where I need to put myself or my spouse in a rest home, I might as well do it thirty miles to the south in California and change my mailing address. <laughs> I was but thinking get, the same thing. Well, you got a domicile there. So um, you can be a resident. You got to be careful with these words because um, like when I write the tax article, I'm using the word resident because I don't know how to say. Like to me, domicile is like a um, verb. <laughs> I domicile in Washington, which means out of all the residences that you have, this is your tax home. And I mean, look at John McCain. He had, his wife was a gazillionaire. He, they had seven homes, seven. Um, but the one that you look at to as your home and spend the most time, uh, they have a multi-factor test for that. Um, it, it's an issue for, for me because do I report income in the U.S. or do I report income in Puerto Rico? Right. Um, so, <clears throat> but if you're living in the rest home full time, wouldn't that be a dumb song? <laughs> uh, well, eligibility occurs before you're, well, that's actually not true. That's a good point. Um, I've never had that fact pattern before. I did have a fact pattern in which um, an immigrant came here and had a massive stroke and was completely incapacitated. And she did not have. She had like a visa, but she didn't have citizenship. And you have to be a U.S. citizen to get Medicaid, any mm -hmm. kind of coverage. And man, I tried to work that every which way I could, but I, I failed. I couldn't. There was no exception to that rule. The, mm. the uh, Washington State death tax is 2.1 something million. If a person has less than that, like 
well, let's say 1.5 million at the first death or 1.78 or one point, you know, yeah. just under that. Does it still, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking it still makes sense to credit, uh, uh, put money into a credit shelter trust because uh, even though it's not the threshold of uh, 2 million, it's still, you still get a credit for any amount in that credit shelter trust. And let's say, you know, 10 years later, the the amount in the credit shelter trust does go beyond the, you know, it appreciates beyond the uh, tax limit. How, how does that, how does that work? And is it, are you talking about a married person or a single person? A married person. Okay. So that's the problem, isn't it? Yeah. That's, you just identified the problem. Um, you get, so there's a thing called portability, right? And so um, you would think that just intuitively, if a single person gets one estate tax credit, that would mean a married couple gets two. Why? Because there's two human beings in a marriage. <laughs> so it would be a $4.2 million credit. Now, um, in, under federal law, the rule has always been you can have a deduction or a credit. There's an unlimited marital deduction. So when the spouse receives her inheritance, there's no tax due because she can deduct all of it. Now, you can't have both. And so Susan inherits 1.7, right? In a community property state, that means she had 1.7 of her own money. Like when you say net worth, like I died in this state, my net worth was 1.7. Well, it's an undivided equal share of the whole. So your estate, like once you're dead, you don't have net worth anymore. What you have is an estate. Estate are assets of the deceased guy. And so in a community property state, if 1.7 of the estate means it has to be 1.7 that the surviving spouse has, the egg was broken into two pieces of 1.7. And so when she takes her unlimited deduction, now you're over the threshold, the, like you're getting close to the total threshold. If there's another bull market, if she wins the lottery, uh, she just lives for another 10 years, she's going to go over the 4.2 amount. I mean, she just will. I mean, like what I've seen in my career this whole time is just these values just going up and up and up and up and up. Even when there was like, a dip in the market, it was seemed like it was temporary. Um, and so if another thing too for me is just as like a human being, um like the 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 old lady doesn't want more accounts to worry about. That's that's a thing, is like when there's pushback about a trust, I'm like, for me, man, it, if I was 84 years old and my husband set it up so so somebody else had to pay my bills. That is the gift that I want, you know. Um, but you don't want to give up the exemption. Like the credit shelter trust is how you get two exemptions. It's the only way to do it. Like people think that they can shop it. Like, you know, I'm going to get a different answer from a different lawyer. That's fine. You can because he has a blue tie and I had a red and you don't like red. But it's there's one solution, the credit shelter trust. And that's it. And it has to be um, drafted the same way. So, so why give up a credit shelter trust? Now, what's compelling about long-term care trust is, okay, 
like, what if, like, I don't want to set up a credit shelter trust because I'm at 3.7 and I don't think that it'll go to 4.2, right? Like, you can't believe how many people think that way. Um, I The way I would look at it is I don't want to be wrong. Like, the price of being wrong is too high for me. Uh, what's nice about it is with a spousal protection trust overlay, if you who cares if you don't go over the credit amount? When the wife, if there's a, a so now you're trying to um, defend against two possible threats. One is the estate tax, and the other is Susan breaks a hip and poor Mike's, you know, dead, and so now everything's being depleted. So you can defend against both with a credit shelter trust with an SPT overlay. That, that's my point. Um, and so like, to me, I don't understand why people don't think strategically. Like I look at it as a glide path. What's our definition of plan? plan? Like a plan, according to the army, is under the art and science of understanding a situation. What are your family? What is the trust? What, like, what are your goals? What is your, do you have a disabled child? That's important. If you have a lot of debt, that's important. Like all these things are understanding the situation. But what is your desired future? That's what the army says. Uh, um, understand the situation to envision a desired future and then laying down ways to make that future come about. A plan, three parts. And so most people, they don't think about the desired future. And the desired future is you want your surviving spouse to be healthy, to have money until the finish line. And if you do that correctly, there's going to be more money left over, like the highest, the probability of having a lot more money left over compared to somebody who just denies the law is much higher. At that point, then you're looking after your kids. You want them to have as much money in their pocket as possible, right? And so the state of Washington has already had their share, you know, that's kind of my new message. Um, I'm kind of glad I live in Washington, Um but I, I, uh, like I said, um, in the last two months, I have failed to convince a woman who works in a nursing home that uh, long-term care costs are high and there's a reasonable probability of needing residential care. Mm. That's how persuasive I am. Um, <clears throat> over and over and over again, I can remember uh, arguing <clears throat> with an 87-year-old guy <clears throat> who was so rich about this exemption and he didn't hire me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not trying to piss you off or make you angry. I'm just trying to say you can double your exemptions. <laughs> you know? um, but if he had, if I'd done a better job getting him to focus on what's important to him, then I would have understood him better, right? And but also, um, you know, whatever. I don't mean to.